Experience is defined as the direct observation of or participation in events as as a basis of knowledge. So for example, I am participating in this podcast right now and this is an experience. Oh, because you're directly I'm directly participating. And I'm and I'm not just participating, but I'm also observing. So there's also two. So for example, I can experience a fight with just watching it because I've experienced it. I've experienced watching a game because I've I've observed it, right? So you go to a basketball game, you're not playing, you're not participating in the game, but you're observing. So going back to the knowledge of direct observation of or participation in an event as a basis of knowledge. Understood. So that's essentially what a very, very simplified definition of what experience is, the concept of experience. So my friend and I were catching up the other day and we were talking about the Golden Globes. Both of us were big succession fans. Mm -hmm. So this was a highly anticipated evening. And I was expressing to him my disappointment that Culkin had won over Kendall Roy in the Best Actor category. Now, not to say that I didn't absolutely adore Roman Roy Mm -hmm. and everything that he portrayed in that series. Yeah, you're not taking anything away from him. Yeah, he was phenomenal. In totality, mm-hmm. Kendall Roy is one of those characters that I still can't forget. I walked away from that series thinking Kendall Roy actually just still exists in this world because that's how good of an acting job mm-hmm. Jeremy Strong did. Yeah. If you look at the character development over the entire series and even over that entire season, if that's what you're looking at, even episode, I still feel like he was the most in-depth built character. Mm -hmm. Now, my friend was able to provide me with the perspective that justified Roman Roy's win over Kendall Roy's. Okay, and what was that? Well, he had gone back and rewatched Succession a few times Mm. since the first time he fully experienced Mm -hmm. succession through the rewatching he was able to take a back seat and think about the things and this isn't why he rewatched it obviously he rewatched it because he (laughs) loved it but he was able to dissect and analyze the show Mm -hmm. through different perspectives and one of those was well Roman Roy likely won Best Actor for this season because his character showed more dramatic scenes throughout the season. Right. And so it was just more of a, I wouldn't say easier win. It was just easier to pull him out of the pack and say, yes, these were magnificent performances. Because he had these dramatic moments. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went on to describe other scenes that he had a different perspective on. He now sees the show differently. 
than the first time he experienced it. And it got me thinking in high school, English class, all the literature that we had studied was the great novels of our time. Mm -hmm. 1984, The Great Gatsby, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mice and Men. Everything Shakespeare. But the manner in which we took in this classic literature was in a study format. Often, yeah. Often, yeah. Most often we weren't told to walk away, read the entire book, and then come back and write our perspective on it. That's not really how we were studying it. We studied it by taking in chapter at a time, Mm -hmm. analyzing chapter at a time. And in my hindsight opinion, you could argue that that kind of ruined what should have been a really innocent experience and introduction into these books, which are considered absolute classics. And so I couldn't help but ask myself, what would my perspective of The Great Gatsby have been mm-hmm. had I read it in my more mature years, right, in my 20s, and been able to absorb the storylines and the concepts. And the concepts and, yeah. in that yeah. manner where I'm simply just enjoying the experience. Right. You don't enjoy experiences when you're studying things to death. So can I ask you something? I think I think what you're saying is a really great point. And so to kind of understand that position a little bit more, when you read a book now, how do you feel? I feel relaxed. Do you think you're taking in what the book is trying to make you feel? You're feeling all the feels that the book is giving you, whether it's like a romance novel or whether it's like a history book. Are you are you in it? Yes. Okay. So you're right in it. You're 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 not the kind of person that you read it and you kind of think about things in your own head. Well, it depends what kind of book it is, obviously. Mm-hmm. But no, if it's if it's a fiction book. Right where the purpose of it is to enjoy the storyline and to get lost yeah yeah then I'm sitting there just as I would with a tv show and just along for the ride first off I don't I don't know if all of our books that we were I know some of the like study materials that we were given growing up it was it was about picking it apart but I think it was the reason they wanted us to pick it apart was to try and understand what Romeo had to go through in whatever century he was in. I don't know what century it was. (laughs) Whatever century he was in was to try and give some kind of context, some kind of knowledge, some kind of experience. And we did this through talking about it we did this through trying to understand what Shakespeare was trying to do we did this by trying to understand what the character development was does dissecting taint our experience that's essentially the question right that's what you're asking yes I also see the point you just raised and now I have an additional question of is analyzing and dissecting 
an important factor into maturing the brain so that it can arrive at a place where it can fully enjoy and experience. Right. I mean, the simple answer to that is, does analyzing and dissecting, is it a part of maturing the brain? Yes. But but it doesn't mean you have to lose presence. It doesn't mean you lose being in the moment. And the moment could be your friend watching the show and being in it versus him being like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Did I miss something that had happened? I have to go rewatch it. That's still him experiencing it. But now he's just taking in differently. He's in the moment still. He hasn't lost his uh, curiosity for the character, but he's going back just like when you and I talk, we're in a, we're having a moment. And then a couple hours later, I'm like, wait, what did you mean by that? I'm still in it, but it's cause I'm, I'm understanding you and I'm trying to get to know you, but I'm still experiencing it. I think the interesting point that you made, however, was I think like just reading between the lines of what you said, does experience itself taint experience? Does experience itself taint our future experiences? Yeah. So I think this is where we should come out of the book TV examples and go into real life and start analyzing real life. Yeah. So my mind is immediately going to therapy. Okay. Okay. So let's say you experience a love that you think is love. Okay. And you have interpreted this wrong because you don't really love this person. You're actually infatuated with them. And then you sit through an hour of therapy a week later and you analyze your actions and your thoughts (laughs) and you discover that what you were experiencing in the moment was not reality. Right. And so that (laughs) helps you... That helps you. Where are we going with this? Right. (laughs) But I'm trying to answer your question. What you're, so what you're saying is like, so you experience this relationship, then you go to therapy, you analyze it, then you look at the relationship differently. So because of the therapy experience you had, you're now experiencing the relationship differently. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's one example. But in that example, yeah, it did help you out. It helped you experience yes. reality as reality. Yes. So there are benefits. Does experience impact future experiences? So yes, and there's pros and cons. So an example that kind of pops to my head right away is like if you get in a car accident. You in a car accident and the way you experience driving a car after that is very different. One experience completely impacts your future experiences, right? Your muscles will tense up next time you're in a certain situation right prior you get into the accident. Your brain starts releasing certain like chemicals because it's stressed out when you're back behind the wheel after an accident. One experience li- directly impacts this 
future experiences doing exactly the same thing. Is there an example that you can think of where one experience directly affects another experience in a positive way? Eating. How? When you eat is an experience. Okay. You but, enjoy yeah, eating. Yeah, but how does, that, how does that affect a future experience? Sorry, I meant to say, how would it affect a future yeah, so you're doing the same thing, but you're enjoying it more. So like the first time you ate ice cream as a kid, you fucking probably loved it. What happens is your brain is like, ooh, I remember these <laughs> these tastes. I remember sex. Okay, hold on. Let's come back to the... <laughs> no, but let's come back to the food thing because the example that I know very well is when you prepare your own food, it mm. never tastes as good leaving skill set out let's just yeah. leave let's just say your skill set is as even as yeah. the other person in this scenario of preparing food when it's, you go to a restaurant it's never as good as when the other person prepares it or like if you make yourself a buttered toast right it's great but if your mom's in the kitchen she makes you that butter toast she doesn't put extra butter on it mm -hmm. so in some cases maybe she does <laughs> i think that's common knowledge mm -hmm. that there is something about someone else making something for you yeah that it, it just I makes agree. it a better experience yeah. so that's where my brain was going i was like yeah okay i can see that yeah because every time i cook but mind you when i'm cooking i'm enjoying it i'm like oh my god this tastes amazing but then i don't eat my food so but that's exactly the reason i think that that's a, a weird phenomenon mm -hmm. it's because when you're over the food i mean maybe the butter toast is a bad example but if you're over the stew that you're making if you're sitting yeah, over it yeah. you're intaking it in various senses yeah you're smelling it maybe you taste some of it along the way yeah. and then it taints that experience when you actually sit down to eat it because because okay, you've already yeah. absorbed it in some yeah. manners and so that is an actually example well that's well, another okay. example of how so something like taints. taints something okay yeah. things that i enjoy doing when i first experienced them i'm like ooh, this was great i want to do it again the first time you have an orgasm the way you have it the position you have it you try to mimic that or make it better <laughs> also you could carry this into marriage right you have it with the same person over and over and over right. again and it's the same experience no right. matter how much you love them like you love cookie dough you just want to eat just cookie kind of, dough every single day yeah it's the same yeah. but thing. then that goes into the whole monogamy and that, that goes yeah into but a whole, we're but we're trying to pick this this is what we, we this is what we're here for i know because but, we're trying to make this less about this this should touch on the monogamy talk. Well, he, okay. If you want to go, but that's a whole, that needs to be a whole episode. I know, but we've broken apart the psychology of what could happen through the deterioration so, of physical. So you're ex yeah, but yeah, but every time you experience having an intimate moment with your partner doesn't have to be exactly the same every time. No, which is why people try to spice things up in the bedroom. Yeah. But it's still the same person. Yeah. You're still just making the same buttered toast. Okay. So are you just, ex so essentially you're saying you're experiencing the same thing with the same person yeah. over and over and over and over yeah. for the rest of your life yeah. for as long as you both shall live. It's Do just you, a natural thing that happens as we're pointing out in so many other things in your life, not mm. just 
the deterioration of sexual attraction for each other but we're not saying it's deteriorating sometimes it it gets better yeah yeah sometimes it gets better and i think in healthy relationships it gets better because you become more intimate you become more connected your intimacy is different even in some extent like sometimes intimacy in the beginning was maybe very like intercourse now intimacy is more about other things that the foreplay and the other things that come along with it like intimacy changes throughout your life as well I would love another opinion about this but I will say that neither of us have been married for 20 to 25 years no okay now the most common thing that I hear though is it gets better as soon as you start loving each other and going deeper with your relationship it gets better However, yeah. how often have you heard the it gets better for that two to five years? And then there's always some kind of period of complacency. Mm-hmm. And then what projects you into that next phase is usually some kind of trauma between you two. Some kind of issue that's happened where you've both sat down and said we need to reignite this flame Mm -hmm. we need to do something right right so that is what helps you into that next phase but there's a it there's always something whether you're in friendships like being stagnant as human beings is just it means you're going down right so it's the same thing as couples if you're if your relationship is always that like the same 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 you're not growing you're not going down you're actually declining so like yeah challenges will bring you closer together going back to what you said of when you're with someone and they go through phases i think that's part of the experience as well you have to accept the fact that you can't have or experience greatness without the bad primarily because if you're always good i'm talking about if you're good 100 percent of the time you won't be appreciating that you're good because you're good that's the only thing you know but if out of the 100 percent of times every two or three months or every two or three years or whatever there's something that happens there's a challenge there's a there's an obstacle that you have to overcome there's something negative you experience, the appreciation of what you have becomes greater and you're more aware of it. And so your your day-to-day idea of good that you were just blind to, you're now able to see. Because a lot of people can't appreciate what they have because you're just so used to it. You're so used to having a roof over your head. You don't even, you don't even, you wake up, you don't even realize how great you have it because it's not part of your day-to-day life. You've experienced this as your norm. So you really are making an argument, in fact, that both good and bad experiences are necessary to enjoy future experiences. A thousand percent. Coming back to the books, I mean, maybe it's a little first world problem to complain of why couldn't I have had the opportunity to enjoy the great cats be with new and fresh eyes and not studied the it fact in that you're English doing that in a blonde wig is just <laughs> making my day right now <laughs> um, why why couldn't I have just enjoyed the great gatsby 
happy. We're analyzing uh, us analyzing if analyzing is too much. Like we're, I do think yeah. analyzing can get sometimes toxic, right? And it's it's the same thing of sometimes you also have to just let things be. Sometimes you don't need to analyze things to death and kill your brain by thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. Okay, so that right there. Mm-hmm. Because this discussion, if this discussion was being had by governing authorities mm-hmm. of the school districts, mm-hmm. the learning plans that mm-hmm. they put together. If they were having this discussion and they came to similar conclusions that we're coming to, mm-hmm. I fear that they would turn to themselves and say, should we adjust no. how to, well, I, no, I'm just saying over- because we've raised good points of, well, we can't, we, kids can't enjoy. But when you the- go into a semester, okay. Yeah, no, but no, but I'm, I'm just saying that in itself yeah. is, is the wrong way of thinking. We're not analyzing this to make change. Yeah. I think that's where things can get into trouble. Maybe the suggestion is which I've taken courses and they've said, the teachers have read the book by yourself and then we'll talk about it after. Right. Like, and more- you do, you read things ahead of time and then you discuss it. You don't read and discuss as you're like live, right? You go home, you read a few chapters and then you have English class on Tuesday morning and your teacher says, let's go to page 16 and da, da, da. You experience it. Give them the opportunity to think critically by themselves first. But the problem is the tools of thinking critically, this is not a skill set that you're born with. This is is a tool that you have to put in your little toolbox starting from a young age, from the way your parents raise you, from the way your teachers interact with you, from the way you're associating with classmates and just life. It's required for the school system. It's required for when you're reading these great novels for someone to say, hey, what did you think about it? What was the perspective? What do you think the character was going through at that moment? And some of these books we're talking about, we have to admit, there were, there were you know, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's very difficult sometimes to be able to put yourself in their position. It's very difficult. Even people right now have a hard time connecting with Gen Z. We're talking about mm-hmm. this. There are CEOs right now who are a little bit, you know, dinosaurs and who are having a hard time connecting with Gen Z. And so imagine, <laughs> imagine these guys not need, now need to take courses and say, hey, when, when this Gen Z wrote this essay... <laughs> This is what they're talking about. Right. Analyzing is healthy. Analyzing is required. Overanalyzing, which I think this is my issue with therapy sometimes. Overanalyzing sometimes. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, a good therapist will just kind of let you come to your own conclusions. That's typically... Yeah, how it goes. There was a reason why I was speaking to my friend about Succession. It's because I find that his opinions about the show lined up perfectly with mine. Right. And so I was able to enjoy the experience of the afterthought. I was mm-hmm. able to enjoy the experience of the analyzing. Because of you it. saw it the same? Or yeah. Because, okay. Yeah. I think 
we can get into trouble in society when you expose yourself to, I mean, because analyzing sometimes is opinions. It's your perception. It's your perception. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, your own experience and your own observations. And yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when you're discussing your own experiences with a toxic boyfriend, with your girlfriends, Mm -hmm. sometimes they can be too aggressive with their comments back to you because they're frustrated for you. They care for you. Mm -hmm. And they'll just say it almost too bluntly. Mm -hmm. And you may not be there yet as a person. Yeah. It kind of taints your experience of learning the slow way, which some of us have to, about the boys who are bad for us. And then it also sometimes it taints your experience with your friends as well. Yeah. Of sharing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's where overanalyzing can can be toxic yeah the idea of experience again is is a very subjective concept going back to the first thing you said of you were in therapy and you were talking to your therapist about a relationship you had and you experienced what you thought was real you were living it you believed whatever you believed with this man let's say you hadn't talked to your therapist yet if you were talking to me that would have been your truth And there's nothing anyone else could have said to you because it's like saying this wall exists. Like, yeah, it's, it's your, it's your truth. It's, it's a fascinating concept because it goes back to your reality is taught to you, right? Your reality is your experiences. And so your truth is your truth. And it's not the same as mine. The fascination for me always comes when, when people give their opinions on situations or give their perspectives on certain things. This is where you, you, I enjoy just being like, Oh, okay. When I'm listening, because whatever your counterpart is telling you, they truly believe that is the case. They truly believe that is the reality. (laughs) You can maybe try and have a discussion with them you could try and say well this is your reality but this was mine like where do we kind of meet or like try and find flaws in their reality and not not pointing to flaws but let them come to that observation by themselves so if we're going back the concept of relationships and this person's like oh like he's always there for me a great question is oh that's so great I'm so happy to hear that he or she is always there for you like what what's a what's an example and then the person is like oh well you know um they make dinner one night or something like oh well that's really really great how was your doctor's appointment by the way did did she come with you did he come with you you're simply pointing out their reality to them i'm not i'm not even i'm 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 letting them come to you're letting them point it out. I'm letting them point it <laughs> yeah. out by just saying, oh, that's great. Have you guys talked about the future? Yeah. Have you met his parents? That's really great. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> right. Encourage their reality because that's their truth. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they really believe in. Take them out of Delulu land. And that's so, that's the thing. The, and the minute we you put your ego aside of mm-hmm. I'm this righteous person and I know this as the truth and this is my truth and I have to, I have to feed my truth down, down this person's throat. Once you stop that and you're like, okay, that's their truth. 
let me just talk to them about it. I find discussions that involve the ego ever fascinating. Mm. And I think that's one of the subjects that we'll tackle next. Yeah. I mean, that could be several episodes. Oh, <laughs> Who are we kidding? Yeah. Ego sometimes drives the perspective, mm-hmm. which drives your sureness of reality. And it just keeps going and going and going. But it, it can be incredibly hard for you to see it yourself. I think a lot of people would say, you know, well, what's the harm in that? Well, there's a lot of harm in it if they're just going about their day and putting that out into the world and wrongly putting out opinions about what the reality of the world actually is. You can't live in delusional land. You can't just say like the world is unicorns and puppies and that's what I'm going to believe. Like that's nice for you, but you can't, you can't just like, (laughs) but why not? As long as it's not harming them or as long as it's not harming others, believe in whatever you want. In fact, talk to me about it. I want to, I want to know what this world of unicorns is all about. But I think that's the thing. I think people who are highly egotistical, they are not able to, they don't see that a small thing can affect other people. Right. So you're saying that they're not even aware that they're hurting people because they're so consumed in their own little world that, right. I try and have conversations and have open communication with my friends or people around me and try to understand their perspective and have like discussions when we have different perspectives on things most of the times and we're able to kind of like figure it out we don't see eye to eye but that's not the point the point isn't to agree the point is to be able to communicate however I have faced few people in my life and work in work as well where they're so adamant about being right they're so adamant about their truth and their perspective that there's no changing them mm-hmm. right and I, I it's like you try and going back to the example of oh have you talked to him about this have you met his parents like have a productive conversation or try to and it doesn't go anywhere and so the next thing I've learned to do is just say okay yeah I just agree with them and I I don't waste my breath at all and I think a lot of us are good at, with that, letting things slide off our backs. But I want to bring back the experience mm-hmm. a little bit because I was thinking about people who make flippant remarks. They don't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. So let's go to a family gathering. I was at a family gathering with my ex once. It was his family. You know, his mother's very religious and, you know, that's all fine and dandy. But, you know, she's more traditional with certain things like, tattoos, mm-hmm. all those things. Yeah. I have two very tiny tattoos. <laughs> I had just so happened to get a new one just before this family gathering. And my ex-boyfriend made the remark like, oh, she's still healing. You know, that's why she's wearing that top. His mother just made this comment. He really hates tattoos and, you know, people who right. have tattoos and all that stuff. I just thought, who are you to make my experience of this party such a downer? Like she completely made my entire experience negative. Right. Now, take me out of this for a second. Wait, no, no. Hold on. Cynthia then versus Cynthia now. How would Cynthia now handle it? I'm curious. Because what did you do when you heard that? Okay, that's that's interesting. So I... You probably said nothing. I said nothing. Yeah. So how would Cynthia now handle it? 
I would probably face her directly after she said that. Mm -hmm. Tell her about the tattoo. This is actually what I got. It means this to me. Tell her about it in detail. To try to get a like empathize. Exactly. Right. Right. To bring instead of it being this like concept of tattoos and certain people getting tattoos you personalize it because she she adored you you were her Mm -hmm. future daughter-in-law as i've matured i now understand the value of helping people understand things how have you how have we done that through experiences Okay. See, had you not experienced that moment, that negative moment, you wouldn't have been able to experience a positive moment right now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So coming back to the family gathering, which I'm, you know, most of us have been in this situation where my experience of that family gathering with my ex-boyfriend, who was my, who was my boyfriend at the time was negative. And I went home complaining to him saying, Oh, it was awful. Yeah. And he was like, that was such a great party. His reality was completely different. Yeah. Completely different reality. I'm sure everyone at that party had a completely different reality, either because they entered the party in a mood or they, something happened to them just like me at the party or they were thinking ahead to something in their life, how they interpret different things. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, as we mature, get better at acknowledging that people can have off days. Mm -hmm. But I still think we're very far from going the next step and acknowledging that in the moment, really looking around the room at the time of the party and thinking about what each individual may or may not be going through at that time. I know that sounds exhausting to a lot of people, but that, but that's, that's listening. Everyone always talks about communication and they always refer to it as the way you talk, the, your tone. And, and a big part of communication is actually not speaking. It's the other part of it, which is you just got to sit there and watch and if you really care about someone you're you're observant to their body language you're observant to their tone you're observant to the fact that they sat down and they like shrugged their shoulders you're observant to the fact that they look stressed or they look tense these things are communication i i think you're right i think a lot of people just lack active listening skills would you consider yourself a people watcher oh yeah Oh, yeah. Okay. That sounds really creepy. No, and so, it's funny because a friend of mine always sends me the you memes. videos and memes and stuff. He always, every time he's talking to me, he sends me like clips of you and he's he refers to me as the, as the guy. Okay. I think people watcher does mean something different to different people. Yeah. I think a lot of people do love people watching. Yeah, I think you're more willing to be social than I am, whereas I'm more like the first thing I'll do when I get a party is I'll just go to the back booth and I'll just look at everyone. Right. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm happy to do that for the whole three hours right. of the event. So some of us, I think, are more enthusiastic 
to yeah. be the background person and yeah i mean i think it depends like if you put me in, in paris or in Rome, like wherever i'm sitting and i'm i can sit there for hours and hours and hours and people watch i oh. can sit in a restaurant and people watch I, I i instinctively i'm very aware of my surroundings i can be talking to you and my brain is picking up body languages of people around me okay so when you go out to a romantic dinner yeah with your future husband yeah what are you experiencing are you making him a priority yeah I mean there's been moments with my all my serious relationships actually where we're it's our world yeah and I I love I walk away and I'm like I I can't believe we're here for like five hours. Yeah. And that's that's happened to me a lot. Yeah. Then we, you have casual nights out where you're happy to sit in silence. Sometimes the table behind me is talking about cheating scandal and my ears yeah. go there. And I, I think that's my dream partner is someone that I can get to the point of we're both in agreement that we're going to sit in silence mm. at this dinner and just listen to everyone else that's around oh, us yeah. and be totally happy with yeah. that I can't if I hear a good tea behind me yeah I gotta share it with you well yeah but then we both know oh okay, we're gonna right. be we're gonna be right. talking about okay, this okay. after but let's zone in right now but I gotta be like yeah oh I've done I've totally done that I- that's that's <laughs> the lover you need and that's <laughs> well, what I think that's what they say when you you they say you want a best friend yeah because best yeah. friends are able to do that yeah. and not take it to heart yeah be like why did you just shush me right yeah I think you're more likely to take offense with a romantic partner, but like I'm not. Oh my god! If no. I'm, yeah, if I'm on the same page as him, that's the page we're gonna be on. Oh yeah, if if he's like, babe, keep it down. Yeah, I can't hear what they're saying. I'd be like, fuck. Okay, what do you want me to do? What do you What do you need from me at this moment? Do you want me to like move the table back a little bit so you can get a little that's, bit closer? That's what like, I want. What do you want? You have just described my dream relationship. Honestly, girl, I've had that with. Well, I've been in what three serious relationships? No, actually two, I guess. Well, kind of three. All three of them, I had this, and they all had really other bad things to them. Right, so. <laughs> right. This is just one good thing about my exes, and I think it's because my personality is like that. So right. they just learn to also be like that, right. or I attract the same similar. What's the takeaway? The takeaway is your reality is taught to you. You never know what other people are experiencing. So be kind. Listen. Everyone experiences the exact same experience differently. Ooh. Everyone experiences the exact same experience differently. <laughs> That's true. That's a very accurate statement. That's, that's what it is, right? What's one thing... That you are going to commit to in this moment Mm -hmm. to go and try to experience it the same as the first time you experienced it. Oh, that's a great question. Is that even possible? Well. But is it because my I have knowledge. So my innocence of the experience is taken away so I can never experience it the same. Like you will never love the same after your first love. Okay, it let's, will never happen. Okay, let's talk about chocolate ice cream. Okay. The first time you experience it, there's an anticipation of what is this going to taste like. Yeah. 
the second time you experience it, the anticipation is, I can't wait to taste this again. Yes. Does that mean that as soon as it hits your palate, it is a different interpretation? Does it? Or it reminds you of what, how great it was. Yeah, but is that a different experience? I'm now I'm now thinking it is the same experience. It's the same, but it's Yeah, I guess it's the same. Okay. But you know what isn't the same? What isn't the same is the experience leading up to trying the ice cream. Correct. But if you have a good this is why when you have kids, you should always encourage them to try new things and new foods because generally when they try it they love it and so the experience itself of trying new things right becomes a positive association mm. and so now being an adult I love trying new foods because generally I enjoy it right it's like the mm -hmm. first time you had caviar mm -hmm. you're like well actually I know caviar is like a lot of people hate it I love caviar <laughs> I can just eat it with a spoon but the first time I did it and I was like, oh, but I didn't decide I want to have caviar because one day I just thought, oh, I'm going to wake up and have caviar. It's because my experiences have taught me that trying certain foods has always resulted in a positive association. OK, so instead of setting out to do this activity, I just want to challenge you to become more aware mm -hmm. of your experiences and whether or not they are very similar to the first time that you experienced it. Okay, I'm going to call my ex-boyfriend <laughs> who I first slept with. And I'm going to say, listen, I need, I have to do something. This is a school project. We need to do this. This is for the podcast. <laughs> it's very important. And you come back to us, all right? Deal. <laughs> Is that how we're ending it? All righty then. Good chat. Good chat. Oh, dear. <laughs>